For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Bandwagon Podcast, and uh, today is a guest, um, you know, I would say it reminds me of my university life, if I'm being honest, um, and I'm not trying to age him while while he's uh, listening in, um, but he's like the Punjabi lawyer, professional, Singer, everything, a man of many, many talents. Um, I'd like to introduce Bikram Singh. Welcome to the Bandwagon Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for that warm welcome uh, and kind words. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's good to be here. Yeah, so um, we were, um, I noticed when I first started some of the podcast stuff and I put these little clips up, yeah. I saw you like one of the posts and straight away I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I remember this geezer, you know, like, you know. You know it, I, I saw something that was kind of, that showed up on my on my feed. It was uh, Juggy D. Yeah. He was talking about something and then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. So, you know, I, I like that, you know, him being personal, you know, talking about his personal life and personal struggles and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is really cool, man, you know, that he's opening up about his personal life. And uh, I was like, what is this? You know, what? what <laughs> What podcast is this? <laughs> and then I went on your page and I was like, oh, wow, he's had all these other people on. And and it sounds like, you know, he asks really good questions and uh, sounds really interesting. So, yeah, I, I yeah, yes. yeah, I'll give it a bit of preface, like a bit of a preface on that. I was like, I've always had a kind of interest in, in music and just in my own general thing. So there's a lot of podcasters that are doing this. I know in your obviously stateside in New York and it's kind of seen as one of the homes of of podcasting and i believe that you guys are about two three years ahead of in terms of uk but even from a desi point of view it's even further back so yeah. um there's a few people who, who've done it and there's more and more emerging but i kind of come from a different space it was always people who have interested me you know like um mm -hmm. a different kind of angle and more of the life story around it because you could always get you always find when when you're looking and it was Sometimes, sometimes I do like um, when I have the guests on, I, I do like a bit of research into them and say, oh, um, and you normally find the standard kind of interview, six, seven questions, but it doesn't really get down and kind yeah. of get yeah. the journey in it. And then I think 
it kind of does um, a disservice. And I think these kind of long form uh, interviews, I think one of the things that have come out and especially the feedback I get, it was like, oh, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. And that's what I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah, absolutely. It's about the story, right? Exactly. In it. It's all about that's the change. Not the it? sound bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. You know something? It's interesting you say that. It's um, what you do find that it's very easy to go clickbaity, you know, to come up with a little oh, yeah. a little yeah. clip and just to get that the initial hook. So sometimes, even when, and I, you know, I admit it, sometimes when I'm finding a clip to kind of get capture the audience to put it in there, because, okay, fair enough, I might, be just happy and doing it myself but you've got a responsibility of somebody's life story or their story in your hands as well at the same time so you're trying to give it justice and and for them to get the most amount of attention as well which yeah. is this kind of perverse side effect of what i didn't want to happen so right it's right, kind right. of a curse so enough about that drama it's so okay i'm going to start off with it normally i start off with the the um, the question of how people started in in their kind yeah. of system I'm actually going to go to the end bit and then jump back after. Sure, yeah. So where you been? <laughs> Hiding. <laughs> uh, no, I've been around. I, uh, I've grown. Mm. You know, I, I've matured. I've grown. I've aged. <laughs> you know, I've, I have a family. I have kids. You know, I have responsibilities. I have a job. You know. Um, I've I've just been handling handling life, mm. you know, a, a, a living day to day man, you know, just uh, doing what a forty two year old does, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, you know, like when, when you um, obviously you will get to kind of the music bit. You're spinning mm. many plates, and people probably didn't realize that in terms of how many plates you were spinning, and you given that concentration and this is almost the music is kind of like the shonk and uh, that you know the yeah the, not in a disrespectful way but kind of the side side hustle or uh from that response yeah. you you're able to do it how did how difficult it, did you find it to kind of reprioritize what you were wanted to do because you were you, like you were very successful in that period that i was talking about in in the 20 years you were at. um you know when everyone mentions your your name Gama, the song which which blew up everywhere, you know, um, was a kind of was a university kind of anthem, and then um, you know, for you to kind of then reprioritize that bit, it must have been much more of a difficult decision. Then, you know, the, the funny thing is that I was, you know, I was doing, I started doing music around two thousand two, two thousand three time. And around the same time, I was actually studying for my entrance exam for law school. So it wasn't that I did music first for a long time. And then, you know, all of a sudden I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go into law. It was kind of like, I'm doing both at the same time, you know. But obviously I didn't get into law school until 2005 after graduating from college or university or whatever. Um, and that's when <clears throat> that's when I kind of fo started focusing more on um, on the law uh, law school and uh, kind of focused less on music. Um, uh, but the, the, you know the love for the music was still there. I was still traveling. I was still doing shows. Uh, I was still writing. 
so the music was always there. Uh, music never left me, uh, but my priorities changed over time. And that was because I was getting older and, you know, I was, you know, I got married and I started having kids and, you know, um, grown man responsibilities came along. So I had to do what I had to do, but music had always been part of part of my life. I never really thought of that as kind of like a side hustle or, you know, mm. anything like that. But it, it was kind of like, yeah, I could do both. Why not? Mm. You know, I so the, the other kind of comparison is G. Sidhu, who he's, he's yeah. like, I met, you know, I got, you uh, know, the funny thing is I used to study for my uh, law school entrance exam uh, at the same university where he went. Okay. <laughs> you know, so I used to see him all the time, and he had a lot of a lot of respect for me. And we used to uh, we used to talk. We used to talk a lot back then. Um, and it's it's good to see how far he's become. Uh, uh, he's come, and um, you know, he's a nice guy, man. I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, you know, that's a good comparison actually, because he's he's handling both aspects of it as well. Mm, yeah, I'm. I, I'm... I've I've been trying to get you know get him on for a while actually, um, but yeah. I'm still going to persist. I think that's the hardest part of this bit. You know your so your your relationship with music. Then where did that start? Then ah oh, man, that was a long time a long time ago. <laughs> I uh, I I was in a, a, a you know right after well the second year of high school. I started uh, uh, taking classes at this theater program at New York University. Uh, these uh, classes were offered to high school students. And I ended up joining and, you know, some of the students there were very musically trained, uh, very talented people. And so they would, you know, sing reggaeton or, or uh, reggae or um, you know hip hop or whatever you know different cultures you know they came fr from and they would incorporate music into theater and I started bringing my style into it and there was one time I had asked my brother to put a demo tape together it was demo CD at the time mm. and um, he had put it together and I just sang I think maybe one or two songs just like random samples. And um, right after I finished my class, I was walking by and there was a NYU open mic night hosted by the Sikh Association of New York, New York University. And it said, open mic night, anyone is welcome. So I went in, I popped that CD in mm -hmm. and, I, and I got an amazing reaction. And I was like, ah, maybe I should do this more often. And that's when I started writing to different producers from UK and started connecting with different people um, who had studios where I can just go and, and record things. And um, Tiger Style was one of the producers that I was listening to at the time a lot. And I reached out to them. Mm -hmm. They got in touch with me and they said they were going to be playing a show uh, in um, Washington, DC in about two weeks. And if I wanted to meet them, uh, I could meet them there. I just so happened to be playing the same show, but the after party, the after party. Okay. So I was like, oh, I make that works out perfectly fine. And then they told me this is where they were staying. And we met up, we, we talked about music and uh, they said, well, you need to come over. Let's, let's record some stuff. And you know, that was, that was it. In, I think it was like 2003 or 2004. I, I went to uh, Scotland, Glasgow and recorded the first album 
Well, actually, the first two songs, which was Takre and Nachana uh, Ondani and then Kama. So I just want to decipher many elements of what you've just said there, because obviously in, in terms of like, I'm guessing the scene would have been a bit of a smaller scene at that time. Yeah. Um, and you're yeah. doing it, it's, it's more kind of culture in there. So in terms of your own personal inspirations, in terms of from music, from a musical point of view, who would that be? Um, at the time I was listening to Sarindar Shinda, Kuldeep Manak, uh, Sardul Sikandar, Hans Raj Hans. Um, Devi Maksuspuri, uh, Manmohan Avaris, Palavindar um, uh, Tillong, uh, I think it was. No. Palavindar Tillong. What's his name? Um, oh, there's so many. I mean, there, a lot of people that were around were making really good music. Mm. Uh, but the, from the old school, you know, it was, you know, Chamkila and. Um, the usual suspects. The usual suspects. You know, a lot of the stuff that Punjabi MC was working on. Uh, um, you know, with um, Kuldeep Manik and all, and all these guys. But yeah, the, the inspiration came from so many different... Uh, so how are you... It is, what's always been interesting when I've done... Um, when I've kind of interviewed people from um, outside of the UK is how they used to access their music. How did you, how did you get access to that music? Because, like, um, I know there used to be a, a huge kind of bootlegging scene where... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, Naps the Limewire comes a little bit later on, but a lot of the early stuff, people used to come from the UK, uh, go visit the UK, get all the tapes, kind of then reselling it and, and um, having a bit of a kind of a, yeah. a second economy, so to speak. Yeah, well, well you know, there is a there is a Punjabi Bazaar, um, you know, this 74th Street, Jackson Heights area in Queens. Um, and so every Sunday, my dad... Um, Right, my dad and I, or you know, sometimes a family will uh, go to the Gurdwara, and uh, right after the Gurdwara, we'll go to Jackson Heights to buy Indian groceries. And uh, when we would go there, I would ask him to buy me these tapes, or I would just you know pick them up from the from the shops and uh, bring them home and listen to them. I mean, uh, you're absolutely right about that. It was definitely lack of access to to, to Punjabi music, or you know, especially coming coming out of UK which happened to be a, a, a huge influence for me at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's just go to the shops, you know, and, uh, and buying it. Hmm. And so, and so when, obviously you've got the, the atmosphere of when you're trying, when you're making these tracks or, because you're also um, a lyricist in that way. Had what? How did you kind of come about that? Was it because of lack of access to writers, and you kind of do it yourself, or was it just your own kind of creativity? Um, I would just give it a shot myself. Just uh, um, at that time, I, you know, I had a lot of free time as well, where I can just uh, sit and um, and just focus on just coming up. What I would generally do is come up with a composition first. Or if I would just come up with, um, with like a first part of the hook and then just develop it from there on. Mm. Uh, sometimes I would just come up with a composition if there's a composition that I really like, but I want to change it a little bit. Uh, so I would do that. I would hum it. And then I would write lyrics on top of that composition. So it's just different ways of approaching it. Um, I, what I generally didn't do, which a lot of artists these days do, is that uh, they would just buy lyrics and with the composition and they'll just sing it. I didn't do a lot of that. Um, 
my approach was always different. Uh, generally coming up with like a hook first and then developing it into a, uh, um, you know, like a verse and then, you know, uh, two or three verses after that. So um, that's how Kama was written, actually. And what do you mean? Like it was written in that, in that kind of style? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Kama, it, it didn't take me long to write that song. I think I would say maybe like, maybe like an hour and a half or maybe two hours to, to write that song. It wasn't that, it, it, just, it, it wasn't that complicated to write. It was just that, you know, what I, what, what I was thinking about was, you know, just that feeling of like loneliness and, you know, two lovers apart, you know, what are they saying to each other? You know, what am I, uh, how can I express, um, how can I put myself in, the, in their position and kind of express their feelings? So, I basically, what I did was I, you know, I don't know how, it just, that, that came to me, you know, comma, comma, and then uh, I was like, how do I, how can I, how can I develop this? And slowly, you know, things started coming into my mind and I had the hook and then I went for a walk. I think I went, I went for a walk, which was like maybe no more than like a mile. I came back, I think half the song was written. So that was the process at the time. It just came so naturally. It was so simple, you know, it wasn't that complicated. Um, and once that was done, I played it for, you know, Pops and them at Tiger Style. And they were like, oh, this is really cool, man. I think we can make something out of this. And then uh, we had uh, reached out to Gunjan to, to do her part. And she, she loved it. And I was really happy to have her you know, on board, I was like, this is, this is really cool, man. I never imagined that this would be something that. Because the synergy, it, it's like almost a, per, it's, it was a perfect kind of harmony and the synergy that, that, that came on yeah. and, and worked out. Yeah. She's a great person to work with. You know, she's an amazing, she's all about music and no drama. I mean, you know, very simple and easygoing and incredibly talented, as you know. With with something like that being so successful, and you you kind of just gone through the formula, um, did you felt feel like a more of a pressure in in terms of coming up with a, another song and having that equal kind of success with it, or was it like subconsciously? I know like even as a base of this, if I, if I felt like I've done a um, you know and a, a podcast which has gone really well, I always try and think oh kind of build up momentum into the next one. But that might it might not click. It it could be there could be loads of different issues going on from there. But I have that that self pressure on me in terms of that kind of that critical thinking. Are you in a similar mind frame when you're when you're writing, or um, do you or do or you've got this skill base to kind of separate it and treat it as a, as a, as a different entity or a different project? Um, I would treat it as a, a different project. I, I'm, it's, it's really hard because I wasn't really into it for the purposes of following a protocol to make a hit, you know, yeah. uh, after the first, um, you know, after comma, it wasn't like, oh, I have to follow this. But I was also not opposed to the idea of uh, something similar, you know. Um, well, if it works, it works, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad song, you know, it could be a good song. Um, you know, 
So it wasn't always, I, don't, I didn't necessarily feel the pressure because, you know, I was always, you know, trying to be as honest as possible with me. Um, and I just cared about just, you know, just writing good stuff. From so the when, heart. when, you know, when you did part two, for example, was that, what was the thinking around that was, did you feel like this, it needed, you, you wanted to write that? Because, you know, from a commercial point of view, if I'm a, if I'm a, Late, I'll be like, God, they do part two, part, you know, do part three, whatever it's going to be. You know what I mean? I think, I think it's time for part three now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think the, uh, following this, it's got to come out. But did you, was there that, did you just feel it was just natural timing or? It was, I felt like it was natural time. Um, I, I w- one thing that I was afraid of, I, I wanted to make sure that it does justice to the first one. You know, it's not kind of like a watered down version of, of the first one. So, I just wanted to make sure the quality was still there, you know? Um, and so I just felt like, you know, it had been, but like almost 10 years and, you know, I thought it was time. And, uh, and I reached out to Pops and, and they were, they were completely on board and, and so was Gunjan. So, I, you know, it just kind of like, you know, it came naturally and, and it just, you know, like I said, I just wanted to make sure that the, the product is there, you know, it, it does justice to the first. And when we recorded it, when we, uh, you know, I recorded my vocals, when they did the music, everything came out perfectly together. Um, um, then we just put it out there. It was, you know, the, the response was just amazing. So we were happy with it. What was the, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of talking it from a personal point of view. I, I remember what the atmosphere, what the scene was like in, in the early 2000s. For somebody coming in from, um, from outside of the UK, what was your first experiences of like the UK industry at that time? Where, I know you obviously, you even went to another more secluded place in Scotland, but did you, you know, did you manage to travel down in towards like Midlands or London area or meet, meet with other, other producers? I, I did. I, I, I was in Birmingham. I, I was working with Ravi Ball at the what? time. Um, I traveled to Leicester, um, you know, London and um, so many, so many different places. And, and my expression was that I was like, wow, there are a lot of Punjabis here, you know, coming, coming from America, you know, where everything is kind of like spread out. I was like, wow, this is, this is, you know, this is really cool. And a lot of people are into producing and making music this is really really cool so I kind of felt like this was my home you know I felt like you know welcomed in the in this community of musicians and artists um, and it kind of helped me or kind of nurtured my talent uh, to continue doing what I was doing or or expand on it or build on it so I I felt incredibly you know welcomed and um humbled by that experience you were i mean you just touched on another legend just there in terms of with ravi bar what was that experience like when you were when you were with him oh it was good it was good i mean he's straight straight business you know gets you in and uh gets you in the, the vocal booth and uh, you know not a lot of talking but very nice guy i had an incredible experience with him it was he was always nice always nice i in fact still you know, try to stay uh, in touch with them. 
uh, but recently he's been going through some stuff. I don't really want to get into it, but um, I, I've kind of, you know, lost a little bit of touch uh, with him. But um, you know, for the most part, I try to stay in touch with him as much as I can. Nice guy, incredible talent. Mm. And how, did you find it? Was there any kind of experience when you're working with the, the with the producers where you, it was more more challenging and what i mean by challenging is in terms of like from a skill set from a from a base because you know some producers like as you just said are very quiet they just do get in there some are very much more hands-on was there any kind of um experiences where you thought hang on i've i've got to go away and learn this properly you know rather than um or getting away (laughs) with it you know what i mean yeah um i felt like Probably Ravi Ball, because this guy, you know, he had been working with so many legends, um, you know, classically trained and, you know, incredible talent uh, when it comes to just, you know, playing instruments and recording and, and all that stuff. And I think it's just finished Midas Touch 2 or something like that with Malkit Singh. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, this guy records Malkit Singh and Malkit Singh is, you know, you know, my inspiration, one of the inspirations. So I, I I better be on my A game, you know. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, he he, you know, he was cool. It was challenging, but he, you know, he made it uh, very comfortable for me to be there and just work with him. And you know, it was it was nice, man. You know, really really cool people. And and his musicians like Gubzy and all these guys, they were they were very nice people too. Mm. So shout out to Gubzy. Um, nice nice people, man. Very humble, very humble, and and nice people to work with a lot of fun a lot of memories good memories you're in your early 20s at the time you know i'm guessing to in the 2000s i mean like yeah. you get you're getting quite a lot of attention you're smiling already so i know this is a yeah. good kind of <laughs> or, or nervous kind of smile what was it what was it like as a young person when you're looking back as a as a as you are now do you do you reflect on it as a good time or cringy time? I mean, like I'm saying it from a, a from a personal point. I sometimes look at my early twenties and I'm like, oh my god, I was a fucking idiot, man. You know, you know, you know, you know. Sometimes you think, oh god, I did this. Oh come on, I did that. Uh, I um, I I was uh, you know fortunate enough to be uh, going through that that phase of of my life. Um, it, you know, introduced me to so many incredible people. Um, it, you know, helped me grow as a person, um, as an artist. Um, I visited so many places. I performed uh, in so many places. I've got, you know, I got to see so many different places when, you know, a lot of these people don't even get an opportunity to travel and see these places even you know when they're in their 50s so i got to do that in my 20s um and share my music share my my songs so so from that perspective you know just an incredible journey it's been and i also had good people around me you know like you know the guys who um who guided me, like, you know, Tiger Style and, and all these guys, um, you know, they were always there for me, uh, always helped me in any way uh, they could. Um, you know, 
you know, they were guiding me through throughout the entire process. So I didn't really feel like I was alone, you know. Um, and and if I was making stupid mistakes or anything like that, they would, you know, they would tell me that, you know. And so, you know, at that point, you kind of grow up so fast. So you have to kind of mature fast. So you try not to make stupid mistakes. Do you think you um you appreciated it? I did. I, I think uh I appreciate it now more. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like at the time, like do you think uh, it was yeah, yeah. You're you know <laughs> the thing is that I was doing so many things. I was mm. you know, there were times when I was doing like you know five, six gigs in you know Europe in like a span of like maybe like two to three days. You know, I was just going to knock them out and come back and then, you know, go back to school. You know, it was just so much happening. So you don't really get an opportunity to kind of think and appreciate what you're going through because a lot of things are happening so fast. Uh, but as you mature, as older, as you get older and, and you mature, um, you kind of reflect on it and you appreciate it a lot more as far as what you've done uh, than when you're actually in the moment. Do you, do you ever remember a particular kind of gig or anything like where you're reaching and you go, Shh, this, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something crazy here? Oh, there's so many, so many. I mean, you know, a lot of the, the, the music festivals that we, you know, we've done in, in Germany uh, was like 20,000 people. And, um, you know, uh, the London Melas that, that we did, you know, those were always fun. And then we did a summer jam. I think one of the highlights was, you know, I was touring with Pajabi MC and we did a Boston summer jam, um, you know, and I was singing up in one other song actually with him. So that was, that was kind of, that was kind of cool. Uh, where it was like, I don't know, like 60,000 people there and, you know, just an incredible experience. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's been so many different uh, experiences just traveling all around the, the world and, and, you know, just being on stage and, and sharing sharing my my music it's been yeah but but bmc's passport i would say is probably the most yeah 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 crazy yeah. Guy out there. <laughs> i remember i had a conversation with him not too long ago actually and um he was telling me about some of the crazy like places that he's played like in russia and oh yeah all these yeah. and he's like and he goes i did this i had x it was just it was i was like what yeah 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 yep 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 that's the that's the best part. See, that's that's why music is an international kind of language, right? No matter where you are, I mean, if, if it connects you, you know, if if it um, hits you here, that's all that matters. I mean, a lot of these Russians, like, do they really understand Punjabi? No, but they connect through music. Hmm. So a lot of the times when we were doing shows in um, in, in Germany, uh, or there was a show that I did in Switzerland um, in Basel. And, you know, I, I would say, I think maybe 10% of the people there or maybe 15% out of maybe 20,000, there were Desis, everyone else was just, you know, mm. um, whites or different races. And, and I was like, this is kind of cool. They're, you know, they're really progressive when it comes to music. I mean, you know, this is not something that you would see in the States or anywhere else, you know, mm. so that was really incredible. I mean, music connects uh, people from around the world. And that's the most beautiful thing about music. And that's how, that's why you see PMC, you know, going around and you're doing Still killing it. obscure places. Still killing it. 
Yeah. So you know, like from from stuff that you said, it is like it does sound from uh, one point of view. Like you, obviously, you're very you're very calculated in terms of you know the stuff that you would that you were doing. Was it in in terms of where, where you've got your career and your law your law qualification and your and your law school going down? Did you make a kind of a conscious decision to try and to slow down some of the music side and, and, and reprioritize towards that? Um, it kind of happened naturally. I didn't really, it wasn't kind of like, oh, I'm going to stop this so I can focus on this. It was never yeah. like that. I kind of, um, you know, music started taking backseat. I would probably say around maybe uh, 2010, 2011. Um, it started. It started lagging a little, uh, if you will. What well, is that for you personally? Because it's funny you, you mentioned that. That was around about the time where a lot of gigs stopped happening, especially in the UK, and there was a bit of a lull in the in the market in itself. I think the transition from you know going to digital format more away from kind of CDs and gigs were slowing down and that as well. And to be honest, there was a lot of shit music out there at that time. <laughs> like, yeah. Was that I, don't, something- I don't know. Maybe it's a coincidence or maybe mm-hmm. because um, I graduated from law school in 2008. I started practicing in 2009. So, um, you know, I, I started my own practice in 2009 and I kind of started focusing a lot more in building the practice. So I would say naturally I was spending a lot more time doing legal stuff than writing songs or, or producing producing song or, um, music. So I would say that was kind of like a natural progression and perhaps the you know, lag in music coming out of the UK or, or lack of gigs or whatever may have something to do with it too, uh, giving me more time to focus more on, on music. Maybe it played a role, but I would say around that time, it kind of music was kind of taking back, back scene and I was kind of taking off you know, from mm. another direction. Um, yeah, and then you know, slowly, and I was just kind of like, okay, maybe I'll take, maybe I'll take some time out to to do another song. Maybe I'll take time out to do another song. But here and there, but it, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough because you don't have that. You know, for you to be creative, in my opinion, you need time. You need time. You need not necessarily time, but you need your your mind in the right state. Okay, Um, you can't, I can't be working all day, right? Handling cases and then come home and sit myself in a room and say, all right, well, write a song. You know, I can't do that. That's not how it works. You have to be in the right state of mind um, and you have to have free time. You need to have some sort of free time to do that. And so that's what's been challenging for me as far as just, you know, having enough time to be creative. I want to do a lot of things. I, I think I still have another album in me, maybe mm-hmm. another 16 songs. Yeah, wow. I do. I, I'm optimistic, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do want to take some time out. I, I you know, sometimes... I think about this, you know, maybe I should go away for like a couple of weeks and come back after like 10, 15 songs and, and then, 
you know, just send it out to different producers and let them do their magic with it. But it's it's easier said than done, you know. It's it, once you're in it, it's it's hard to get out uh, out of this life. So I, I I'm optimistic. I I do want to get back into it, and I and I'm doing it slowly. In fact, it's not at the same rate as it used to be, obviously. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm still hanging in there. And, and while you was were you still having a keen interest in what was happening in the Bangla scene, the Punjabi music? Were you listening, or did you kind of turn turn oh, off? Oh, I was. Yeah, I was. I was. I, you know, a lot of the times when I want to do something, or mind is my mind is triggered that I should do something. It's it's because I'm listening to what's coming out, you know, around me, and then I'm like, oh man, this this melody is really cool. Maybe I could change it around a little bit. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And, you know, maybe the lyrics should be this way. So, yeah, that gives me inspiration. So I, I absolutely listen to a lot of the, the, the new stuff that's coming out. And what's your opinion of the, the, with, with the new stuff? So, like... I'll give it. I'll give it a bit of context in this. So, like, obviously, kind of, if we look at the power, let's say the Bhangra is a power shift, moved from kind of like India to the UK was dominated for a while, and then Canada was just and North America were just very famous for kind of like remixing and rehashing a lot of mm -hmm. older stuff and then putting it out. And then you have seen this big kind of power shift going to Canada and North America, and then now it's kind of. I think the UK has come back onto the scene pretty strong now. Um, yeah. You know, what's your opinion of that? Because you've experienced that in the last sort of 20 years. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's good. And I think there are some drawbacks to it as well. What's the drawbacks? Let's start there. It's a lot. Market is saturated. Which one do you listen to? I mean, a lot of the, because it's so saturated and, and possibly pumped, um, you know, by a lot of money, um, there are a lot of stuff that that's coming out that's not necessarily quality stuff, but 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 you know they're pumping a lot of you know money into it. A lot of the times, the real good stuff, you know, gets hidden, and it it, it doesn't come forward. Uh, the stuff that really does deserve to be um, 
you know, shared with people. So I think the, the market saturation is one aspect that's, you know, that's, that's not necessarily good. Uh, but the good aspect is it's a lot of good stuff coming out. You know, a lot of, uh, I honestly didn't know that, man, these new guys, you know, how much of hip hop influence they have. A lot of these young Punjabi cats that are coming out of Canada, like Shub, you know, mm. even AP Tillon, you know, like he was, his style is kind of kind of like that too. And uh, and Palwan from India, I think is from India. He's he's really good. I mean, a lot of these new guys, man, I didn't know they they would have such uh, you know big hip hop influence. That was kind of shocking to me. And and a lot of their beats, if you listen to, it, it's like old school '90s hip hop beats. Do you think? Do you think that Pangra's Punjabi music, especially that kind of that that genre of market, is more, it's sort of my favorite? But I do see it kind of dwindling when you listen to a lot of the new gen, and when you speak to a lot of the new gen, where they talk about their music, there's less and less Pangra instruments or Punjabi instruments yeah. using song. Yeah. Um, and the lyrics I feel are becoming more and more simpler. Because I think that's what the audience is used to. That's maybe the capa- the capacity side in terms of kind of the language that they understand and speak speak along. They're not complex. A bit the laws lyrics are not very complicated. No, not at all. Yeah, well, and I think that's why they they kind of resonate with a lot of younger people that they they, people, they, yeah. they can connect. So like that 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 hip hop and the tour that goes around with it. I think that synergy, there's always a certain beats that always go together. Reggae and Bhangra music and Bhangra always has got, it's got that good kind of connection. It's very difficult to do. I don't know. I'm coming up with, with a random, a random kind of beat um, and, and to genre music. I need to get a genre of music now, which doesn't necessarily connect properly. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that's hard enough? River dance. <laughs> I'm just making it. But I always found there was always certain kind of styles of music that and Punjabi music goes together. And I think hip hop and um Bangla go together like yeah. hand in glove. Yeah. Um, but I also recognize that I'm in a smaller catchment now and it's getting it's reducing time and time again. And you could you, you you do see that. Do you yeah. Do you feel that, or am I going off on a random? Uh, no, no, no. That's it's a legitimate, uh, you know, point. I think um, yes, but you know, music has always been evolving, you know, and it follows society. You know, are we still listening to Asa Singh Mastana? You know, the way the way that the music was made at that time. No, I mean, you know. I'm sure people that were listening to music at the time, maybe, you know, a dad's time, like the 60s or 70s or whatever, they, they would say whatever came out in the late 80s or early 90s was rubbish, right? Mm. Or or it's... No, a copy, like, a copy. Yeah, everything was a copy. Yeah, 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 but, you know, but that's that's how it is. The society evolves, right? And then, then you know, the music follows, right? So. I mean, if if the the if the um, a lot of the young people or the younger generations of vocabulary in terms of Punjabi um, is is limited, right? Maybe they find the newer stuff, that stuff that's simplified, more appealing. 
you know, and so, you know, you you were talking, you were talking, and you know, it's it's just my own kind of way of thinking in terms of what you know, asking you really. You know, you you said you got an album in you. You got sixteen, seventeen. Would you make an album for you, or would you be making the album for what the listener is after? Because there is for me. Yeah, I'll be making it for me. Maybe maybe there is one aspect of. You know. For me, it's always like with you know. I'm not like pigeon uh, uh, myself in in a a specific genre or a type of music. What I'm gonna do is maybe I'll take a little bit of that. Maybe I'll take a little little bit of that. I like that from there. I like this from there. You know, maybe I'll combine it too. Um. So, I will make it for myself. I would make it for my. I in fact I do. <laughs> you know whatever you may have seen recently that has come out is just you know me having fun you know i'm not i'm not trying to get signed or i'm not trying to like um you know i'm not trying to get gigs i really am not you know it's just mm-hmm. stuff that i'm i'm making at home and you know having fun listening to at home like with my kids i'll put it out if anyone likes it great if not it's all good was so, there any? Was there any? Was there any um, nearly projects? So I, I mean this in. The, so what I mean by this is, when I when I interview people, they've always said, "I had there's a project and it was mainstream and this is." I, I remember there was an album that somebody had done with um, with Timberland, and they came um, and it was just about to get released and they pulled the plug on it. Was there any kind of nearly projects that you that you had where? It was about to come out and it didn't. Yeah, I think there was one. Um, I, in fact, actually, that, that track was, it's been so long, I don't even know the name of the song anymore. Uh, Promiscuous Girl, Promiscuous Girl, I think it was, with Nelly Furtado. Okay. Yeah, I, I had done, you know, we had done a remix of that, uh, like an official, official remix. And I, I don't think it was ever released. <laughs> in fact, it was good good remix i don't even know maybe it was leaked or something i don't know maybe it's there somewhere but i haven't seen it but that was you know one official kind of like a, a mainstream project that i had worked on uh but it, it, it never got released so did they approach you to do it or did you just do it yourself or they approached me they approached me in fact we recorded it in uh philly uh in philadelphia i had driven from new york to philadelphia to record it too so I thought like I barely know the end of my road. So like in terms of hours and times, like because to go any to travel anywhere in America is always uh, hours, uh, in it? It's not miles. Whatever. I you know the thing is I see the, the thing is I had always had a lot of energy to do a lot of things. You know I was always jumping around, so I didn't really mind. You know I had I was doing shows like you know two three shows every um, every weekend. You know during the week I was you know obviously doing my things. Uh, thing at my practice but but on the weekends I was always doing shows and stuff you know so I didn't I had a lot of energy man you know I was running around so it didn't really matter to me but whatever you know it was one of those things happened happened was there any lessons that you learned from your music career that you were, as you were going into law what was that experience like um what do you mean in terms of uh I mean like there's obviously there's I read a quote today that 80% um, of what you do in life 
um, is dealing with 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 people, so with people management. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and so like um, you you when you're when you're an artist and you're that young, you're dealing with many different types of art. You're dealing with promoters. You're dealing with audience. You're dealing with the fan base. You're dealing with pressure. You're dealing with work life balance. You're dealing with your own kind of goals and stuff. Was there anything that you could take from that when you were going into kind of law? Because you, it felt, it feels like already that you you already lived one life, and then now you're going. Yeah, the thing is that you know when you're when you're an artist, you can have you can you can have a manager. You don't have to deal with people, right? They can they can handle all your bookings and you know uh, your your management of projects or you know whatever you're working on. But when you know. When you're in a legal profession, you are the profession. You know, you are the firm. You know, you have to kind of deal with people yourself. Like the clients want to see you. You know, that's our firm is a small firm. You know, it's me uh, with two partners, me and my my wife. She's an attorney as well, and yeah. and we have uh, you know two people that work for us. Um, and so you know, a lot of the times the client, you know, we have to deal with the clients ourselves. We have to be the face. Of the firm that's what they want to see um but yeah i mean it's it's a little different it's a little different it's a lot more stuff that i'm dealing with than uh you know when i was doing music uh, as far as dealing with people is concerned um it's it's a lot more obviously a lot more hectic uh in a, in a legal profession um but you know, there's lessons to be learned from both sides, right? Well, if one from the appearance is like is different from what I remember from seeing you from many years ago, um, was there what what was the thinking around that? You mean like was it a stage? Was it a stage in life where you thought, yeah, to go down? To, is the maturity that you were that you were, um, that you that you mentioned earlier on? You mean as far as like uh, keeping my case and stuff? Yeah, yeah, case because obviously, like, yeah. I'm missing well, the Sikh community in New York is, I'm, I'm not guessing massive. Uh, I, I guess it's growing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I come from a Sardar family. I mean, my dad is Sardar. My grandfather is Sardar. Is, you know, for the most part, you know, all Sardars. And, you know, my brother is Sardar. So when I had my son, and I'll tell you, you know, this is exactly what happened, right? I was already at that stage. I was like, maybe I should, you know, start keeping my hair. But then I had my son and, and when I had my son and, and my dad told me at the time, he was like, don't you dare touch the scissors to his head, mm. <laughs> to his hair. And I was like, say no more, say no more. And then, you know, when my son was growing up, um, and obviously he was keeping hair. And I was just like, this is, you know, this doesn't make sense. You know, if, if he has hair, then I have to have hair. Um, and it's just, you know, becoming mature and, and wiser and, and, and a little bit more spiritual as well, uh, you know, with age. So it was a combination of a lot of different things. Um, but that was, you know, one aspect of, I think, why I was thinking that it was important to keep hair. Um, and uh, and and you know just just to be sadar and 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 representing two aspects of life it was it was good you know 
I don't know. Does it make sense? Yeah, no, it's just it's it's just fairly deep because it's always like uh, when kids are involved, they're always there's extra kind of the emotion. That, that, yeah, that always there. I mean, you know, like it's kind of like I'm I'm subconscious about that kind of stuff, right? Like everyone is different. Everyone, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, you know. I know a lot of people who have uh, kids that are keeping their hair, but they don't keep their hair, right? I know a lot of people, and that's their prerogative. That's their personal life. I have, you know, nothing to do with that. I'm not judging them in any way. But for me, I was subconscious about that because I was like, well, you know, if my son is going to keep hair, and I'm just walking around, you know, you know, without hair, without bug or whatever. It's just I don't know, man. I just kind of felt weird about that, and. Like I said, it was it was a kind of like a progress in terms of growing older and becoming wiser and becoming spiritual and you know just recognizing yourself. You know, you're thinking like, man, I come from you know such an amazing religion, you know, and and and, and you know our ancestors have died for this, right? And this should be recognized as your crown. And you're you know if you start recognizing these things, you know, you're automatically drawn to it and you know you want to do the right thing by you and, and your family do you think that's going to influence your kind of choice of music or what you want to do in the future probably not <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know i don't know um probably i don't know maybe maybe some aspects of it um uh, i i don't know i don't know i'm still in the process of putting you know songs together um uh, for the album so I'm not going to do an album, probably, you know, like an EP or something like that first. And then EPs have gone big now. They, they, there's loads of EPs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like six songs or something like that. Um, but EPs always the pre. I remember Hodge Nagra said this. He goes, Oh, EPs are not the true EPs of what it used to be. It's just extended plays. The albums are different to EPs. And it needs to, yeah. they need to be the story of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember EPs that. being, I remember EPs being three original songs and like three remixes and that's your EP. Um, but I don't know how it is these days. Um, but, you know, I, I see a lot of people releasing that these days though. That's it's really interesting. But I don't know, we'll see. I think um, probably six songs first and then possibly doing singles thereafter. Probably- Have you got an idea of who you want produce, to produce that? I, I don't. I'm, I'm probably definitely going to have Tiger Style on it. There's no doubt about that. Um, I've tried to get him on here, you know. I've tried. I've spoken to. I've tried to get him on here. It's just who? Pops? Uh, Pops. Yeah, I've been speaking to Pops. You tried? Yeah, yeah. He was. You don't believe it or not? He was one of the first people that I ever tried when I started this. Oh wow! And I had. Uh, I had. Um, we went. Went back and forth on an email, spoke a couple of times. I was trying to get them both in there because they've gone into different jobs. They say, they say that, you know, different lifestyle. And um, I was just couldn't get the timing right. And it just kind of just fizzled out. So I, when I, when, because I was, I was on holiday when, when I saw, when we first discussed, because we were supposed to record this two, three days ago and I'll be really bad on it. My jet lag has been terrible, but yeah. As soon as I saw that, it just it, it stoked the memories of when you know trying to speak with with those guys and how important they were. You know how their music oh, was so influential. Yeah. 
Um, and it was almost, and it was perfect for when you, you know, for you to pick at that time. Some of the they were some of they were like gold dust at the time. Yeah, yeah, and you know, aside from being one of the pillars of of, of Punjabi music coming out of UK, uh, they were just incredible people. You know, mm. just incredible people um, to hang around with. Just incredible. Uh, knowledge that that they would share um, with me, um, you know, uh, as far as music or just life in general, and you know, these guys know a lot of history, you know. So it, it's it's really an affair, you know, just sitting down and just talking to them. It's just just an incredible incredible feeling. And just going to their house, you know, just hanging out with their, you know, with their parents and. You know, just, <laughs> talking and, and going out, um, you know, for dinners and stuff like that. I mean, just, you know, just being around them was just a lot of fun, man. Just like, you know, like my brothers, you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, so who else now at the moment sort of, you know, takes your eye when you, when you listen or you keep an eye out for? Who, who am I listening to these days? Is that yeah, I, yeah, who you listen to these days, but who else do you kind of like um, keep an eye on? Um, I don't know, man. It's I like many many Sandhu. Many Sandhu uh, has a really unique kind of sound. Mm. Um, and I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah. I just knew you were gonna say money. Yeah, you know he's he, he's incredible, man. Incredible talent. I I like he's very unique. Like he has the the way he uses the synths, um, and his bass lines, and you know. And I and I think I don't know I don't know if you would agree with this, but it looks like the UK garage may be coming back. Is that a is that a thing or no? I mean, let me. Or maybe they're trying to bring it back, but it's not the same, obviously. But UK garage is one of I've got a very skewed version of this because I also believe that at that time some of the music around UK garage. Mm -hmm. um, Kind of ruined Bangla for, for me. <laughs> I know you're you're the desi head. Yeah, I'm not saying. Look, I've had this discussion online, offline, and it was just I. It was for me. It was um, kind of for me at the beginning of the end, but it served its time. It served its purpose, and it helped progress it. It became a phase. It became a new phase, like how jungle was in there. How, but. I, I always think everyone resorted back to the tool. Tool and tumbi. Yeah, of course. You've you so, got to go back to the fundamentals. So, exactly. So, like, I think Garage now will always be always be there because it's a, it, it fits nice. It's good. Is yeah. it my favourite? It wasn't my favourite back then, but strangely enough, when I listen to it back now, older, I can't, I like it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's kind of a guilty pleasure of mine where I'm like, Right, you know, it it was okay at that, you know, it was all right at the time because they affiliate with memories. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think I think you you'll start seeing loads of different phases starting to come. I think there'll be a phase of house bangla. I think there'll be a phase uh, a phase of maybe jungle will come back again a little bit of drum and bass. There'll be there'll be, these continues to because now you got such a wide eclectic kind of music choices out there. Right, right, and there's right. always going to be a producer out there who does your type of music. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, I don't think that choice was there before. 
Right, right, right. Because there wasn't so, you know. The as... bands had it in a little way because there was always a sound. Like you'd always pick, you'd always go to listen. Like Sahota's always had a sound. Yeah. Or uh, Sufri always had a different sound. Or Malkit, or Aparasigit had a very traditional sound. So you knew, like, yeah. whatever took your fancy of bands, you always know that you you like the kind of music. I think that choice kind of dwindled away during during the yeah 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 the, yeah. the early two thousands and mid two thousands. But I think now you got a lot of. Um, I, I think because the way how music you, you said it, it was saturated of how consumers take them take the music there was a clip i saw on a meme someone put it up about how people don't value music anymore all they want is your hard drive yeah right so they yeah and so like if people are not I saw willing, that too i think yeah yeah i think i don't know who put it, it must be someone who we follow yeah. who put it up i can't remember yeah 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 it was a, i think it was like one of the hip-hop artists talking about yeah it that. could be yeah 50 yeah. No, it weren't 50 cent. He, no, he'd be swearing. It was someone, I saw it and, and it hit home bit where people were like... You, you, uh, we're talking about the, the era where, you know, if you look at the CD, right, the art of the CD, it's it, it, it represented something, right? The, the inlay, yeah, the value of it. Inlays, right? The, the credits. It, it yeah. represented something. Who, who yeah. did what? Backing vocals. Ready. Where was it? Where yeah. was it? Who distributed it? What was it? You know, because that's Every single because thing. that's the story of it. And then you got to the point where people can't be asked to pay seventy nine p for your value for that music. Now it's gone to like streaming website. Now it's just on YouTube, and like the artists are like, if you think about it, if a project's costing ten grand to put together, what's the return on investment? Will they see that back at some point? You're hoping that they'll get gigs. You're doing all that. And then it just kills it. And you're only hearing the select few stories. Because I was, and, and this is, this is, this is more of a therapy session for me, this podcast, actually, the more I'm thinking yeah. about it. You must, it must be the lawyer in you. Just, I'm just admitting everything. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, I was, you know, I was going for, I was speaking to somebody and um, an, oh, an a artist about another artist. And they asked me their opinion. And I just said, oh, I think they're fucking shit, man. They've been 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 doing it for how many how many years now? I ain't done nothing. And then he actually, and I, then I said, um, you know, what's your opinion of of him? And he goes, he's trying, man. He's trying. And you know that one word that he said, they're trying. It made me feel this more like an like an absolute prat. I was like, this is just. I felt. You know where that I, I slipped into immaturity, and now I was I was I'm older, and I could recognise that I was I slipped into that bit because what what he was saying was actually true, was that as long as they're having a go, they're trying. You never know what can happen. If you if you don't try, then it's not going to happen. Right. Um, so it was all that's, that's what it's resorted to. I'm at this, I don't know, I was at this epiphany of when that happened, when he said it, this revelation, and I was like, I need to take that philosophy into a lot of my other kind of understanding of of, where, of working with people. Um, but I was also really miserable at that stage where we were having that conversation. Because, um, But it was really interesting. I thought about that earlier this day where somebody were, somebody was doing something and. Um, I thought, you know, 
look, man, at least they're having a go, they're having a try. Mm-hmm. And it, it maybe it's even that feeling just makes you happier rather than just slagging someone off. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So how much do you charge for this therapy session? <laughs> <laughs> so what, what this? Yeah, what kind of law do you specialize in Because I don't I didn't really see it. I do uh hopefully you're gonna say criminal because I wanna get the best stories out now. No, no, I don't. My my partner Rena, my 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 wife, she does criminal defense, and she does personal injury and medical malpractice. I do uh, real estate litigation and business law. Do you mean in it basically proper desi? Yeah, I don't do immigration. That's proper desi right there, though. I'm not her job. I'm not her job. Job is a guy. By the way, I love that guy. He's awesome. I. Yeah, I, I talk to him sometimes on Twitter here and there, but nice I, get, I get, I get, I have an annual, I say annual, I've only done it once, but I, um, every, um, every Christmas I made the promise to him that I'd get him on. So in the, in the Christ, awesome. yeah, the, the Christmas edition is um, him coming on and I just, we just have a, a virtual glossy and just let him go. I just, just yeah. wind him, just, just wind him up and just let him go. Cause he's just pure. Entertainment, yeah. you know, from yeah, 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 I, he was the first. <laughs> he was the first guest I had on. No way. Yeah, I just knew it. I just knew. He's a he's one funny geezer, man. One so do funny you, guy. When do you get a chance to come over to the UK? Is there is there a time or what? What the kind of? I know you've hinted at the album. What does the next sort of twelve to uh, twenty four months look like for you? So uh, I'm thinking of. Um, going to Scotland and London uh, uh, n- next year, probably probably in the summertime. Um, and, you know, we talked, we talked about this, but, you know, I haven't seen Pops and them in, in a very long time. And I think it's probably about six years since I've seen them. And since then, you know, they've had kids. Rod had kids before that, but Pops have, has kids and my kids are getting older. So one of the things that we're talking about is getting the kids together, getting the families together. So then we can, you know, I can tell my kids or you can tell, they can tell their kids that, you know, this is who I am and this is, and we've had an amazing, you know, journey, you know, when it comes to music. And, you know, we can just introduce our families to each other and yeah. just hang out and reconnect after such a long time. So we want to do that next year. And I think uh, while doing that, I'll probably be spending a little bit of time in London and, and seeing some of my old friends. Um, so this is the this is the bandwagon, and I give this opportunity to everybody. Is um, mm-hmm. um, on the bandwagon? You could either you, is there something a bandwagon that you want to jump on or jump off, or is there just something else that you just want to get off your chest? This is kind of your space to to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, jump off of bandwagon or jump on bandwagon? It, or just generally, it could be anything else that you just want to get off your chest. <laughs> I see what you mean. Um, man, I'm, you know, I, I I am, when it comes to law, I, you know, I am as tough as they get, okay? But when it comes to music and art and the way people are doing their thing and expressing themselves, 
as long as you're not hurting anyone, right? Fair game. Do your shit. Do your shit. Just, you know, I'm, at, you know, the thing is, I, I'm at an age where nothing phases me, man. Nothing like, you know, I don't get mad. I don't get angry at, at anything anymore. There are so many different types of people in this world. They're, they're doing the, their different things. There's so much going on, especially with social media and all this Instagram stories and all that shit that's coming out. And, you know, people are making like, you know, one minute and 30 second songs. You know, if that's, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. If that's what's, that's what's working for you, that's what's working for you. I mean, I don't give, you know, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not. So that's something that I wanted to get off my chest. I don't know if I'm doing that. But regardless, my point is that, you know, there's so much going on. I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to be angry, to hold grudges against anyone or judge anyone in terms of what they're doing with their careers or, 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 or their, you know, passion as, you know, as far as their music is concerned. Or mm. I don't really care. Every, I'm just a peaceful, you know, I'm just living my life. Whatever time I have, I'm going to dedicate that to be artistic. And I do... I do want to tell you this, that I want to get back into making the old school Bikram Singh type music. Yes. I want to get back into writing those, um, you know, the ballads, you know what I mean? Like the love songs, the, um, you know, the dip up with the jet, that kind of, you know, that kind of vibe. Um, and when I tell you that I have uh, been working on, um, you know, getting the songs together. A lot of that would be that type of genre or, you know, that type of style of music. So I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Um, but it'll be true to, true to its essence, you know. Hopefully it's not something that's, uh, you know, that doesn't, you know, reflect on me as, you know, not being pure or original or, you know, or fake. It's your style, it's your sound, that's your speciality, sound, isn't it? Yeah, so I'll I'll try that and see see how that works out. Well, I'm going to hold it. Well, now when this comes out, obviously, it w everyone's going to know and have that expectation on you now. And um, when yeah. it does, obviously, I'll have to get you back on then. And, and <laughs> Anytime, man. Anytime. I, I was just so happy that you reached out because, you know, you I, I've seen your, your, your podcast and I was like, you ask really good questions and and I like the fact that it's very personal, you know, mm. just sit and just chill, talk. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, like, you know, it's like you're sitting in front of me, right? Well, yeah, it's hard to, I'm, <laughs> so look, look at the bags under my eyes. It's still still the jet lag that I've got. And um, yeah. I just knew, I was like, when when it hit, I was like, yeah, man, I've got to speak to him. I've got to speak to him. And it's uh, really nice of you, man. You That's always get cool. like, a, you know, it's, it's, it's important that, a lot of the times your stories that people kind of yeah. have an idea because of the work and the graph that you guys have done. Yeah. Um, just it, it's just, you know, on. man, like I still get a lot of messages from people, you know, all over, all over the world. Um, just, just sending messages. Oh, I'm a big fan. I, I, I love 
I love Gama. It, it takes me back to my uni days. It takes me back to my high school days. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it does kind of take you back to those times. And then yeah, I kind of feel, you know, grateful for the fact that I was able to do that to, to give them those memories that they have now and that will stay them stay with them for forever. Mm. And that song had, you know, it had a major impact on my life, obviously, but it definitely had a lot of impact on a lot of other people's lives. Um, it was really interesting. I was actually just in Santorini, Greece with my family. Oh. I was just uh, on a vacation and we were, uh, we were just sitting outside on a balcony and this, this guy and a girl passed by and, and they just like stared at me for a little bit. And they're like, and then they just kept on walking. And the guy came back. He was like, you Pikram Singh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, man, oh man, we had come on repeat when, when I was young, man, I'm a big fan and all that kind of stuff. And this is happening in Greece, you know? So, you know, provided, provided the guy was from England, but still, you know, uh, but you could see how far the music travels and, you know, just the memories that you give them of how, um, you know, how they stay with these people for a very, very long time and how much meaning they hold to them, you know? Yeah. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate you taking time out and uh, jumping on here. And um, I wish you all the success in, in the future. And when that comes out, that'd be brilliant. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch and then uh, get you back on, man. Thank you so much, man. You go to sleep. Get some rest. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank all you, Ricky, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. All right. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.